friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And it is still Women's History Month. It's still March, even though we're over halfway through the month now. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, And that means that we are still talking about everything to do with women in literature. So female authors, female characters, the good, the The bad, bad. the sort of random in-between, nobody really cares about it. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) And the ugly. And yeah, the ugly aspects of that too, which we've definitely been talking about as well. Um, but we're taking things to, as far as I think most people are concerned, a place of good this week, Mm. because we're talking about Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women Mm. from 2019. Great movie. Um, which, yeah, I, I think is like pretty much universally loved. And this is like, I'm talking, thinking about like from like bookworm people, like the book community was like, yes, please. This was wonderful. Well, it was definitely like. Greta Gerwig obviously loved this book oh, yeah. and did such a good job with the oh, adaptation. It's such and a, you can like tell that all the actors felt the same way as well. You oh, know? for sure. Yeah, if you're looking for a like very family oriented story with like talk about a star studded cast. Oh, seriously. Um, Bob yeah. Odenkirk is the I dad. Know. I was like, what? I was so happy when he popped up the first time I watched I it. I was like, oh, it's Saul. <laughs> How do you call Saul? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you've seen this movie if you're going to listen to this because we're going to like talk about several aspects of it. But if you haven't, you can come along for the ride anyway if you want to. And then go watch it. And then go watch it. And I'm sure you'll want to by the end of this because we're going to talk about Little Women from 2019. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. So uh, the movie's currently sitting at a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And it's got a 92 from the audience. None of this is surprising. No. Um, This is also not to be confused with the earlier, wait, I'm double checking, the earlier adaptation of this movie from 1994, Mm. which by the way also has like a crazy cast i don't think i've seen that have you one. seen that one it's also so. it's also good i will say yeah. like, it's a good film yeah yeah like um yeah here we go uh winona Ryder plays joe kirsten dunst plays amy christian bale plays laurie uh susan sarandon okay, is I take marmy. It back. i have seen that okay yeah susan sarandon <laughs> is marmy like yeah. there's a lot of people claire danes is um beth like there's mm. it's a huge huge cast wow. yeah. yeah that was like a full 90s cast like we got like a full late like 2000, a full late 2010s cast and now like and that one would have been a full full 90s cast when people were actually like like up and coming oh yeah Kristen Dunst Kirsten Dunst yeah that would have been like not long after Jumanji probably yes yeah she would have done interview vampire already yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, that's it well in her prime she would have been getting into it fully Mm. so I love I do too. I think she's great in everything. Very underrated. Yeah, I don't think she gets enough credit for like any of the movies she's ever been in. I think she's great. Um, So, uh, Little Women, if you're, if you've never read the book, because like, you know, we all say like, we're like, oh, classics, blah, 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 but that doesn't mean people have read them. I mean, to be fair, I thought I'd read it and then I realized that I read Little House in the Big Woods. Oh, that's a totally different (laughs) book. (laughs) 
I think that's very different. <laughs> I mean, it's also like it's a long read as well because it's yeah. it was technically published in two parts, mm-hmm. I believe, when it was originally published, like one in eighteen sixty eight and then one in eighteen sixty nine. Okay, so reasonably technically, <laughs> I kind of get it. Yeah, fair enough. So it's a long one, but basically. The film is very female-centric because Mm -hmm. it follows a family um, of almost all women. Dad doesn't count, whatever. (laughs) Well, he's off fighting the Civil War. He's off in the Civil War, so it's fine. Um, Who, and sort of like over a, well, technically it's over like a seven-year period that Mm -hmm. it takes place where you kind of see like the evolution of them as sisters and as a family. So Mm -hmm. you've got four sisters and their mom, who they call Marmy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the four sisters, now I'm trying to remember, I believe in order of age, Meg is the yep. oldest. She's played by Emma Watson. And then Joe, who's played by Saoirse Ronan, is the second. I believe Beth yep. is the third sister. I'm so sorry, I can't remember that actor's name at all, but she also does a good job. She's just much quieter, so I think she gets ignored a lot of the time. Um, and the youngest is Amy, who's played by Florence Pugh. And Elizabeth is Eliza Scanlon. Eliza Scanlon, thank you. All of these British people were playing American characters. Amy is older than Beth. I thought that Amy was the youngest. Okay, maybe I'm insane, and it's just maybe not. Like maybe I'm just. It might have something. uh, It might have something to do with the fact that. uh, oh, no, you're right. Her youngest sister is Amy. Is Amy. Okay, yeah. cool. Thank you. Because I think it might have something to do with the fact that, uh, to be fair, so the film jumps back and forth mm-hmm. in perspective a lot. Instead of kind of moving from start to finish, you get a little bit of everything because yeah. it starts more modern. Later, um, yeah. Later, well, more modern, whatever. Seven years into the future from when things begin, basically, it starts with uh, Joe March, who's Saoirse Ronan, um, who's been able to have a short story published, which at that time, it's 1868, keep in mind, at that time would have been a pretty impressive feat. Women weren't Absolutely. taken particularly seriously. And I will say that the she visits um, a publisher, mm-hmm. and she you know, goes under the guise of, like, a friend is submitting a story because she doesn't want to admit that it's her work and be criticized for her work. She's very proud of what she's, what she does and what she's written, and she's quite hot-headed most of the time. So I think it would be hard for her to kind of admit, like, oh, I wrote this and have them be like, it's shit, you know? I mean, I can't blame her, like, especially if she's going in knowing full well that if she submits it as a woman, that it's going to be even more criticized. Yes. Than... A man's then writing. if it were written yeah. as a man, well, she asks for it because he does say he cuts out a few things, mm-hmm. um, like an editor will really. Of course, yeah. And but he says, uh, yeah, we'll we'll give you what is it twenty dollars for it, and we'll mm-hmm. publish it, no problem. Um, that's fine. So he, you know, they agree to do that. She's working basically as a like a governess, yeah. uh, in New York City, and she leaves with the money that she's gotten to go back to Concord, Massachusetts, which is where her family is, so that she can uh, help take care of Beth, who's one of her younger sisters, who's ill and has been ill for for quite a number of yeah. years at this point. She's been like kind of sickly back and forth and had a lot of health problems for quite a long time. So uh, she's, deal- she's doing that. We're also getting a little bit of um, Amy, who, like we said, is the youngest of the four sisters. She's in Paris yeah. with Aunt March, played by fucking Meryl Streep. Oh, I know. It's like, hey, Meryl Streep, what are you doing? cast is just absurd. Anyway, <laughs> 
um, who's in Paris, uh, you know, trying to be a painter, but also basically she is like the sibling of the family that everyone has decided needs to be married off to someone rich because the family's not particularly wealthy. Isn't she like the pretty one? Like, she, is that what's insinuated? She's, she's the pretty one and she's also... Kind um, of the naive She's one. very materialistic okay. and she's like a little bit vain. Like, she's very focused on material goods yeah. kind of thing. And like, you know, sort of like what she wants in life and she wants to be pretty and she wants to have like a successful life and all that kind of stuff like she's very determined um to be that way so um when she while she's in paris she runs into Lori, lawrence whatever or teddy i should say it's theodore lawrence so she runs into but they call him Lori because he asks everybody to accept for joe who calls him teddy right um they she runs into Lori, who is uh also in paris he's from he was a neighbor of theirs in concord he lives with his grandfather but he's spending some time in paris as well Mm -hmm. um because his family is quite a bit more wealthy than mm-hmm. the March family is. Yeah, and this comes up a few times. It does it? as yeah. well. Yeah, that's it. And they, you know, agree to meet later that evening because there's like a party that's happening. Yeah. And uh, Amy's going and she's meeting basically the guy who's been courting her more or less. Yeah. I think they're expecting like a proposal to be coming from their relationship mm-hmm. sometime soon. Um, that evening she goes to the party, but she gets really pissed because he never goes to meet her. Cause she's like, meet me, meet me and everything, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you can kind of tell even immediately that Amy's, Amy's had a crush on Lori for like ever. Yes. And you don't get it. Like, like a bit of a love triangle. Yeah. Like there. you don't get the beginnings of it yet. Yeah. Cause then they're going to flash back. But when, but you can kind of tell like she's so excited to see him when they yeah. run into each other and everything. There's like yeah. a lot there and she's very upset um, to first, first of all, that he never really went to meet her. And second of all, that when she does find him, he's like, he's drunk, drunk and he's yeah. lying around with a bunch of girls and just being Acting sloppy like an idiot. and stupid. Yeah. Um, and we do learn almost immediately that Lori obviously had previously proposed to Joe and mm-hmm. she said no. Right. Um, so he's been unhappy is, since then. Is that he, what prompted this behavior? Yes. Yeah. He, to get over his heartbreak, he basically went to Paris and right. then became a sloppy drunk for a while. <laughs> it's fine. It's a phase, apparently. Um, Sounds like a good phase. Yeah. I might go do that. And <laughs> We should all get <laughs> into that. Except Lori's like 18 or something. We're in our 30s, so I don't think we can do that now. I think we've, we've passed, we've passed the time. <laughs> I just want to go time. back to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be a sloppy drunk while you're there, though. Why not? It's too much to see. It's true. Um, yes, and while that's it, after right after Joe has published her story, she learns that Beth her health has worsened quite a lot, mm-hmm. so she leaves right away to go back to Concord. Um, yep. So then we kind of get your flashback. So we're flashing back to 1861. Yeah. Um, it's Christmas morning because this is the book starts on Christmas, really. So the film they take it's you there so almost cozy. right away. Oh, it's it's such a cozy book. It's yeah. one of those that it's evokes, a cozy movie too. Yes, it yeah. is. It's one of those stories that evokes coziness in it yeah. that I can't explain. Yeah, you just when you read it or when you watch it, you're just like, I feel like I'm wrapped in a blanket right now, and yeah. it's nice. <laughs> I mean, when it's snowing outside, it's a very nice movie to watch. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, also like. The costumes look beautiful. Yes. Uh, the sets and the everything like looks gorgeous. Yeah, well, all yeah. of the girls do a really good job. And I will say also like, especially considering like it's like for instance, especially like Florence Pugh, I find it's a really good thing that she's talented mm-hmm. because she's supposed to be very young, like probably like eleven or twelve. 
making really what at the beginning like oh, when the they beginning, flash yeah. back. And obviously, you know, I understand they wouldn't have wanted to cast two different actors. They just wanted her to mm. play it the whole way through. And she really doesn't look the age that she should be. Mm. But you can tell because of the way that she speaks and the mm. way that she carries herself. Like she's very childish in the flashbacks. Yeah. Like very childish and very she's an different. Actress. She's so good. Yeah. And she's very different seven years in the yes, future. She is. You can tell true. that the yes. way that she is is different. Like yes. they all are in a way. But I feel like her change is the most drastic. And it would be, right? Like, at those ages. Like, if it's... I think she's if supposed she's 11 to be or 12, and then she's supposed to be, like... Closer to 20, basically. Closer to 20? Yeah, that's a big difference. It's a big yeah. jump. Whereas, like, the other girls, I feel like it's much more subtle. Like, the yeah. shift is subtler, yeah. I guess. Um, so... It's Christmas morning, and the girls have all woken up and everything. Joe's been writing. She's a writer. She's wanted to be a writer forever, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. In fact, all of the girls do have some form of, like, artistic hobby. ability yeah. or hobby or something that they're very passionate about. Yeah. So Joe loves to write. Meg, I would say, has the least of one of all mm. the girls, but, like, honestly, Meg's strength is probably like her homemaking ability yeah. and how fucking patient she is with everybody well, i mean i think that would be the natural she's the oldest yeah she's yeah. the oldest right yeah it um, kind of shows i like that plays the piano but beth is a beautiful piano player and amy is a very good painter yeah um i really like that they've that they got emma watson to play meg actually because she has like this very quiet sort of grace to yeah. the way that she portrays the character where i feel like meg gets a lot of shit Mm. like just like when people read the book because people are like oh she's very vain like she just wants to be pretty and she wants to find like a nice husband and blah 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 like first of all it's more of a security yeah it's first of all she wants security for herself and her family second of all it's the fucking 1860s what do you think she wants she's the oldest and so i think she feels like she's the one who's supposed to find the good husband yeah but i mean i think it's really great that this novel and this I mean, this movie, yeah. but the novel yeah, yeah. has all these women having their own hobbies, having their own mm-hmm. independence in that way. Um, I know that it was pretty common, like, in, like, quite wealthy families for yes. girls to have, like, a pastime because they used it to get a husband. Yeah, it was, like, their um, cute little quirk Yeah, it was, like, their quirk. Um, but I think in this, it's really just, it's more because they want to have their own person it's genuine yeah it's genuine passion yeah basically um so yeah it's christmas morning they've all woken up in there you know getting food ready and doing all of this stuff with uh hannah who's their housekeeper if i'm not mistaken hannah lives with them she's like half caretaker half housekeeper she helps the family with a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. um she's also fun <laughs> uh so they've you know but their mom is off because they're like where's marmy mm-hmm. you know and she's like oh she someone came knocking at the door asking mm-hmm. for help and of course that seems to be what this family especially the parents yeah they want to help everyone. they want to help help everybody and they're very willing to they're role to, models for their kids yeah they're, you know? they're wonderful parents yeah. um and so she's gone off to do that she returns shortly after to let them know um that uh, i believe it's the hummel family yeah. who are a very uh a very poor family who are living in what's essentially a shack like mm. not like a little ways away from where their house is yeah. um they they're five children starving with just mrs Christmas. hummel i assume mr hummel is also this is during the, the american war. civil war so i assume that mr hummel's away at war as well mm-hmm. uh they have no money at all and they have no blankets it's cold no it's food. christmas they have no food it's massachusetts so it snows like it's yeah. not like it's not like they're in california it ain't toasty no um so marmy asks them listen could you please 
like give up at least like some of your breakfast for them as a Christmas present like would you be willing to do that and you yeah, can tell she that, says like, it to the girls it gets them like they they're like annoyed but they do go along with it yeah. like they're still no matter what they do make like very good decisions but so, again I like that it's that like portrayal of like a genuine reaction yeah where you're like, like, it's, oh. like it's if you're a kid you know yes. you're like oh like it's Christmas morning like I want my food yeah I want my morning and then you're like oh Fine. Fine. You yeah. know, when Marvie says, like, you know, it would be a lovely gift. Mm. And so, of course, it kind of, it kind of persuades all of, of them course. that fine, you know. And, fine. but, you know, but they do have these really good, like, realistic conversations where the girls are like, oh, God, why do we have to be poor? Like, why don't we have very much stuff? Yeah. Um, but that's nice because once they do bring everything to the Hummels, um, they get set up with them and they like, you know, they eat with them and everything mm. like that. And they spend time with the, the children because the children are quite a bit younger than them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, how do I even put this? They, I think appreciate even the things that they do have mm. more because like you can tell when they get into that little cabin yeah. where the family is like, they're startled by how little they have. Yeah. And they feel like the girls feel like they are poor. Like yes. they feel, they feel like they don't have much, and that's and they're why they're not always particularly yeah. wealthy. I mean, that's know? why they're always saying like, "Oh, I want to marry someone, and you know, who's from a good family." Yeah. But I think them seeing that they could have even less yes. than they have so, was a shock. Yeah. So meanwhile, while they've been doing this across the way, basically their direct neighbors are the Lawrence family. So Laurie and his grandfather, Mister Lawrence, who you think is going to be a piece of shit, he's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that there's no like. F- proper villain in this story no, because like villain the villain in this is circumstance of life yeah. basically i mean yeah i mean I, that's what i like about this yeah. it's like <laughs> life is hard enough as it is let's just be nice to each yeah, other you don't need to have like an know. asshole running around yeah. so yeah so laurie and mr lawrence see the like the family going off to do this and when so then when they come back mr lawrence has sent over a whole bunch of food for them yep. to have a proper christmas breakfast themselves sweet. as a very nice thing because he's also very sweet. Um, and Lori is one of those who is like, I think a little bit just lost within his own station. Like he doesn't quite know. He's like a frat boy. Sort of. Boy. Like how to act properly, what yeah. he wants to do. So it makes him like, like silly yeah. a lot of the time. Um, but he meets uh, the girls at a party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they start talking to him. And he and Joe like immediately strike up a friendship. Like yeah. right away you're like, okay, wow, this is like some best friend energy we have going yeah. on. BFFs. Um, and it's, you know, it's cute too. Like he's obviously, he's an only child. The understanding that we have is that supposedly his um, father absconded basically and like left the family behind. So he's had no one to look after him so he's just like moved in with his grandfather to continue his studies Mm -hmm. and everything um because they're quite wealthy so they have like an at-home tutor who's john who's also a character that you Mm -hmm. know becomes a fully developed character in the story as well Mm -hmm. so he um after he meets them he immediately obviously you can tell he and joe are like drawn to each other Mm -hmm. and he also has like really cute moments where you know when he's first in like the whirlwind that is like the march house because the girls are always running around and yelling and going crazy and doing all this stuff and you know marmy is immediately like welcoming like come on in like just you know you gotta kind of madness in here yeah you gotta kind of roll with it and everything he's you can tell he's like almost awkward like he doesn't know how to act Mm. about it this coming from somebody who like i'm an only child if i were in a house like this I would also be standing there like, oh, uh, <laughs> what do I, what do, do I, what do this? I do? Should I do yeah. something? Should I say something? Like, you know, he, yeah. he doesn't know if he should like sit or stand or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Marmy, at just not too long after that, she gets a letter from their father. So that's it. I think he's working as a chaplain in the Civil War, if I'm not mistaken, is what he's doing. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that's what he's doing, is he's working as a chaplain um, in the war, and he's, like, all the way basically in California mm. at that point. And while they're... So they basically... They live in because they're like had their dads off working and stuff like that and doing all of this stuff that's it they don't have a ton of money but the person who does have money is aunt march meryl right. street um who is i think she's i believe aunt march is a widow is she she doesn't have children no she doesn't have kids yeah. um and she's very wealthy yeah like very very well off and she's one who they you know the girls kind of take turns with her as as companions mostly joe because mm. she reads to her mm. but they all find her obscenely obnoxious which she she kind of is like aunt march has her positives for yeah. sure but she's definitely like quite stuck up. well i mean she's and very crotchety 1800 <laughs> yeah like, you know and she's older i think she's meant to be like in her 60s or something yeah. which for that time would have been ancient basically <laughs> can um, you imagine how that would have been now <laughs> man quality of life was just not what it is no. today <laughs> So, uh, you know, and so she regularly does this, but basically Joe's only going over and reading to her regularly because she really wants, Aunt March tends to go to Europe on right. like, little tours she wants an and invitation. she wants to go because she wants to go uh, travel. She and wants write. to write while yeah. she's traveling. She wants to be able to get published. She wants to do all of these things and you could have more opportunity for that in Europe. Well, right? it would also so. like enhance her writing too, like, to have the experience yeah. of something different. You oh, know? for sure. Um, so when there's like a little outing at one point and you see that the content, a lot of the contention and like the fights with the sisters mm. tend to be between Joe and Amy. They're both yes. the strongest personalities of the four of them. And close in age. Yeah. And they're very, they're both very hard headed about different mm. things and they're very different from each other. They, and there's Lori. Yeah. And they <laughs> want different things. Well, that's yeah. it. I think Almost immediately, Amy has a huge crush on Lori. Joe doesn't. It's really like a friendship thing mm. for her. But of course, they have, they're very close because they're also very close in age as well. And Amy's younger and she always feels like she's the one who's left out. Beth is the quietest, but she doesn't mind it, I don't think. Well, I think like looking at the dynamics, and I think they captured this really well in the movie, Amy's like, the one who claims all of the attention. Mm-hmm. She's the, the but baby. It's, it's whether it's good or bad. You know yeah. what I mean? And so by default, what ends up happening is they don't really take her as seriously. No. And like Beth is the quiet one and the youngest, but there seems to be, I don't want to use the word respect, but they seem to kind of take Beth a little bit more seriously. No, they do. You're right. You know? Um, whereas Amy, it's like everything she says or does, they're kind of like, ugh. You're like, silly. there's Amy again, kind yeah, of. Especially, she especially Joe. Joe is very much Joe. like the things that you say are stupid, basically. Whereas I think Meg is more tactful about it. Yeah, I think they're just like, you know, Amy and Joe are close in age. They're very strong, like everything that you said, mm-hmm. but they're also kind of polar opposites in they're their way so of seeing different the world. in the way that yeah. they view the world and what's important, yeah. basically. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, so you do, you do see some of the fights and the gripes with the two of them, yeah. um, you know, in the sense that like, it, 
Meg and Joe are going off to the theater at one point with John and Lori. Yeah, and because Meg is going to marry John eventually, right? Yeah, she does. I don't think it's... At this point, I think they're just going because they're having fun, but yeah. John is definitely interested. I believe that Meg's supposed to be quite beautiful, mm. like, in the book as well. I mean, she's Emma Watson, so I was obviously. Say, yep. <laughs> so, good job casting. Yeah. Um, but I believe, like, in the book as well, Meg's supposed to be very pretty, so people really yeah. like her. Yeah. Um, so, they're going off to the theater, and of course, again, Amy's pulling her whole, like, oh, I never get to go anywhere, I don't get to do anything, I'm bored, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. See, this is where I find you can really tell that she's playing a younger character because mm. she's, like, very whiny about it. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so when they still ignore her and leave without her and act like she's being silly, she takes Joe's notebook where she's basically been writing a novel in it and she burns it. Oh, oh it's, it's such so, an asshole move. It's so upsetting. Um, so... You know, obviously, Joe, when she gets home, she's fucking devastated by this. I think it's, like, some of the most emotion that the character has at any point is to do with her writing. Um, So to get sort of Joe to forgive her, I think it's basically the next day, uh, Joe and Lori are going out um, ice skating. Because there's a pond really not far away. And Amy goes chasing after them. Joe ignores her, but of course Amy falls through the ice. This is why they don't take you seriously, Amy. Oh my god. And she's so, and like, you know, like that whole scene too, that's what I'm saying. This is why you can tell she's younger. She's running after, she's like, Joe, wait, wait. Like, it's so much. You're like, okay, no, like, 16-year-old girl would do that. She's definitely like 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they do, they, anyway, Lori saves her, which I also think reinforces the huge fucking crush that she has yep. on him. Oh, I know, like, that savior complex yeah. now, yeah. And she does get better, she's totally fine, even though at that time, that definitely could have meant that you died. <laughs> yeah, she got lucky, that's for sure. She really she does. She was not as lucky as Beth, but... No, oh my god, okay, so... Uh, there's this cute little thing going on where Mr. Lawrence, I believe that the understanding is that Lori, Lori's mom passed away. Yes. And she used to play the piano mm-hmm. at the house, at the big house all the time. And Mr. Lawrence obviously misses his daughter terribly, I'm sure. And is sad because there's no one playing the piano anymore. And, and since Beth is good at it, cute. he asks, he's very cute, and he asks if she would like to come over regularly and make use of the piano yeah. since of course you know again the March family can't really afford to have their own piano so right yeah. um so she does that as well which is really nice um we also there's also that's it there's a full love story that sort of develops between Meg and John mm-hmm. um which we will see culminates in a marriage and children and stuff later very wholesome it's it's really cute. <laughs> it's cute, and it does. I do like that. Even when you see them um, at a later date, they do again. Like their their problems feel rooted in reality. Like they feel realistic. You know, where again, like John's only working as a private tutor. He also doesn't make very much money. But she fell in love with him, and she married him yeah. despite that. Mm-hmm. Um, against Mar- March's wishes, boy, was she not happy about that? <laughs> I mean, but again, she's very stuck up. And, she, and so she's she set on money as well. Money. She's like, well, that's yeah. the only thing that's important. Yep. Um, you know, so, but we, they do have, like, their own problems. You know, Meg wants to be able to, like, uh, buy new fabric for dresses mm. and stuff. And she tries, she does at one point. Like, she makes, like, and also, it's the 1860s. And she says that she bought, a, like, several yards of fabric and it cost her $50. She said $50 Ooh. coming out of that thing. And I was like, huh. That's a lot of money. No That's wonder, like, that was kind of like, like, like ah. probably like $1,000 now. Like, fuck. Yeah. You know? And meanwhile, like, John needs a new coat for winter. Like, yeah. this is more important. I know. But I understand that 
yeah, it's difficult. And again, it's her, everybody's got like a little thing. It's her character flaw. She's very focused on like, she likes pretty things and she wants nice things. I mean, like, again, if you think about the time and you yep. think about the fact that they were four girls growing up and she's the oldest, like, she obviously wants to be able to have pretty things and kind of show that, you know, also culturally growing up, she was probably told like, you know, once you get married and you marry a nice man, he'll buy you pretty things, you know? And so, and that's what she wants and that's what she expects. So, you know, kind of like victim of her environment or, you know, upbringing. And she's always, she's always just kind of disappointed that they're not particularly wealthy, but I will say she legitimately loves her husband. She does. It's just like, it's like a gripe that she does have about it. So... Uh, when, when this is going on, because we've sort of jumped back, we've jumped forward in time, mm-hmm. we're also still keeping up with Amy, who, again, we're seeing a lot of the back-and-forth scenes of when she was very childish versus a much more mature version of that character, yep. who, you know, you like a lot more because she's not acting like a small child yep. anymore. Um, you know, her and Lori are slowly but surely developing, like, their own new kind of relationship while they're mm-hmm. in Paris. Mm-hmm. To the extent that you're sort of like, oh, okay, something's going on. Because they're spending time together Mm -hmm. and the guy, Fred, is it Fred? Fred, Who's been courting Amy, basically, is pretty much expected to propose to her because they've known each other for quite a while now. And um, Lori's like, don't. Don't marry him. And mm-hmm. when she asks him, it's actually, it's a really good scene because she's painting. Yeah. And she says she's just not going to do it anymore because she's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's encouraging her to do so. But when they start talking about this aspect of things, he's like, don't marry him. And she's like, what? Why? And why? He's, and he's yeah. literally, you know why. And it's just like the... Boys are so stupid. I know. Just say what you mean. I know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> And even though, and, you know, she gets very upset because for her, she's like, I have been playing second fiddle to Joe my whole life. Yeah. And she I wants will this not one be, thing. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I will not be your second choice because she turned you down. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. Basically. Good for her. Which I, I do understand. Yep. Um, and, but despite all of this too, because she's still like, she's like, she's in love she with him. She loves him. So she turns down Fred yeah. as well. So it's like, you can just feel like. <laughs> their aunt being like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you can see it. Yeah. like, because She turns down Fred's proposal and she goes back to the house, right? And Aunt March is like, what happened? She's like, I just, I turned down Fred's proposal. Yeah. And Aunt March has just told her that Lori's left, like he's leaving yeah. Paris. Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> Whoops, I fucked up. And it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, then they go back to the past. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mr. Lawrence has given Beth his uh the piano yep basically um and she goes to say thank you to him but unfortunately right before that she's gone to see okay so all the girls were being annoying about not having time quote-unquote to go see the hummel family Mm -hmm. so that poorer family that live close by yep and she's like fine i'll just go myself so she goes herself to see them and bring them food but unfortunately the family's contracted scarlet fever Mm -hmm. um which would have been very often deadly especially for younger people at that time Mm -hmm. And it is confirmed not too long after. First of all, Beth has contracted it from them. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I believe the youngest baby in the Hummel family passed away from it, which is awful. Really sad. Um, so she does... She's very ill for quite a while. Um, she does 
get over it in the sense she does recover, but her, like, her health never fully snaps back to normal. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, it's more dangerous to younger people, and so because of this, they send Amy away to stay with Aunt March. Yes, because, oh yes, because Meg and Joe have both had it previously, yeah. and they're okay, so it's like chicken pox, right? Mm. Like, if you've had it, you're probably fine, mm. uh, but if you haven't, and you're vulnerable to mm. it, and Amy's not had it, that's why they send her to stay with Aunt March, who then decides she's the only, um the only member of the family who's worth anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, all the others are lost cause. Only hope for, like, marrying rich, yeah, basically. Yeah, so she's like, you need to marry well. And I think she's, I think she, you know, she was told that at a young age, so she's probably quite hyper-focused on it yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, whereas, like, Meg, like, was kind of taught marry well, but marry for love, I yes, think. exactly. Because she was closer to her parents. Like, when you think about it, like, if, if you know, Papa March went off to yeah. the Civil War, mm-hmm. um... Meg would have been, Meg and Joe would have been the ones who saw their parents together yes. the longest. And so, especially Meg, she would have learned the importance of, like, marrying for love. For love as opposed to... As opposed to money. Yeah. Whereas, like, Amy is fully being influenced by their aunt at this point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and she spends a lot of time with her as well. She doesn't act like her, but she spends a lot of time yeah. with her, so it's kind of normal. And I think she feels, it's almost like, I feel bad for her because she's the youngest, and it's almost like they're putting this responsibility on her shoulders now. Like, okay, well, you have to be the one to do it. And yeah. Amy's like, oh, okay, I yeah. guess. Um, so... Luckily, Beth's fever does break, and she overall gets better before Christmas, and it's Christmas exactly one year later when their dad comes back from yeah. the war, which is, I'm, I'm sure, probably the best Christmas present any of them could ask of course. for, which is great. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't, it's sad, because there's, like, two scenes close to each other where, like, things go really differently from each other, so in this, in, you know, the earlier scene... Joe had been taking care of Beth, who recovers, even mm. though she thinks that she hasn't for a minute. Like, she's not in bed in the morning, and Joe's mm. like, fuck, and she runs downstairs. Yeah. But Beth's actually okay. She's sitting yeah. at the table eating breakfast yeah. with Marmy and Hannah. Um, but then when you jump forward in time again, like we said, unfortunately, Beth never fully got her health back, and she's had bad health mm. back and forth ever since. And, you know, Joe has used money that she's made on stories to take her to the sea so that she can be out in the fresh air and Mm. get better. Um, But unfortunately, she doesn't make it. She Mm. passes away. Yeah. At this point, which always in the book made me so sad. I was always like, oh, no. No, not the youngest. Not the baby. Not that one. Um, which, and everybody has, like, a really hard time with it. Obviously, obviously, which is totally normal. Like, the sisters... Uh, you know, their dad, Marmy, um, Mr. Lawrence really doesn't take it well at all. No. He has a really hard time with it as well. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of have to like move on from that. Mm. And again, we flop back to, um, what is it? To Meg and John's wedding yeah. at that point. Um, where yeah, <laughs> Aunt March makes her disapproval very well known. Yeah. It's quite funny. Joe tries to convince her to run away. Oh my god, she's so funny. She's like, <laughs> we could go and we can just run anywhere and I'll I'll work and I'll do this and I'll do that kind of thing. And, and Meg's like, I'm not being forced into this. Like, I love you. <laughs> oh I want to get married. I want to get married. And she says, I think something that slowly starts to put things into perspective for Joe, where she says, just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't make them, like, irrelevant yeah. or bad. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated that statement, um, and I think I think it's also important to remember, especially as we go through our topics this month, um, you know, 
in the past, we always kind of taught women, you want to get married, you want to have babies. And, and that's like, your value. And that's that your you value. Provide. Yeah. But there are genuinely some women that that's what their dream is. And yes. I think that's fine. And Even think, now. Yes. Like, that is their dream and that's fine. Yes, you know? I think it's it's just as valid to have the dream of ha- having a spouse and being a mother yep. as it is to have the dream of pursuing a particular career or aspiration mm-hmm. of some kind yourself as like a yep. personal project basically or in your job. The whole point is just to have the option. Yes. Basically, we have <laughs> choices a lot that's now all it is, is, you know. we didn't used to. And so at this time where this was, you know, what you thought was your value, I think it's more than normal, just like at any time, it's more than normal to decide, like, this is what I want out of my life is to get married and have children Mm -hmm. and raise my family. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. And I think that that's really well reflected in Meg's character. That she maybe at some point wanted something more and something different, but overall, she really chose the path that she wanted yeah. in the end. And it just so happens that that path was considered the more traditional of them. Sure. But those were her dreams, you know? Yeah. So um, when we've, again, when we've kind of like jumped forward a time okay so first of all after the wedding that is when Lori proposes and joe is like absolutely not it would never work it would be a terrible idea and she does i know in the book i don't think they ever talk i don't think they well she has a conversation with marmy but she doesn't come out and say it um but in the book she has previously spoken to marmy about the fact that Lori is like a brother for her mm. she doesn't have those types of feelings for him like she loves him but not in the way that he loves her but doesn't she say she doesn't see herself married? She does. She says she doesn't see herself married at all. And it, and basically what happens is that she doesn't see herself married at all because she's never fallen in love with someone. Mm. Yeah. Until later. Spoiler alert. Hey, spoiler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that was when Lori had gone off to Paris because he was heartbroken, mm. basically. So now that we've jumped forward and Beth has passed away... Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Amy's on her way home because, of course, she is. Her sister's just died. And she's obviously traveling. She's also traveling back because Aunt March is quite ill. Yeah. Um, Lori goes back with them. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of see, like, right before they're coming back, basically, that, um, first of all, Joe's having a bit of a crisis of conscience where now she's starting to feel like there's a bit of a void in her life mm. and she's been so intent on her pursuit of being a writer and being alone. She starts wondering she if she made a mistake yeah, turning she, down Lori. She, yeah, she's literally like, I'm lonely. Yeah. But it's, again, it's good because she's doing these things, like we all have moments like that, and she's doing these things, but Marmy points out to her that she's probably doing them for the wrong reason, where she's like, do you think I can get him to ask me again? And she's like, yeah, but, and Marmy's like, well, do you love him? Yeah, do you actually want that? And she's, yeah. and you can tell it's a no. But she's just, she wants someone, you mm-hmm. know? She wants someone to to be with and stuff and simply I think because... she's kind of panicking because, like, Meg got married. Yes. Amy is off in Europe. Yeah. And Beth died. Beth passed away. Yeah. So she's like, who am I going to have? Exactly. You know? And so she starts feeling like she has, like, a void to fill, mm-hmm. which is not true. But, you know, but I understand why she would feel that way. Um, 
she does write a letter to Lori. Thank God he never sees it because I know she doesn't send it. No, she puts it in that little box in the forest or whatever. Oh yeah, and then she winds up. She, she goes back, back to take yeah. it later. Yeah, before he sees it. Thank goodness because <laughs> Lori and Evie come back from Paris to reveal. Hey, guess what? We're getting married. Didn't they? Or get they married? got married? Yeah, they already they got married. Yeah, they're like. Uh, ta-da, we kind of fell in love. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, while we were in Europe. And uh, we got married. We're married now. <laughs> yep. Um, which I know a lot of people get really upset about that, but I don't really because it kind of seems realistic to life. Well, like, yeah. he got over his, you know, his feelings for Joe. Well, she never had those wasn't... sorts of feelings yeah. for him. Like, he knew it wasn't going to happen, so he was like, all right, well, I and, guess I better move on. Yeah, and he, you know, wound up seeing her sister in a totally different light because she's a different kind of person than she was seven years ago. It's true. She does mature. 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 <laughs> quite a bit. She, she becomes quite mature. Mature. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so anyway, they get kissed and they get, oh yeah, okay, that's right, they get married on their way back. That's what, yeah. So they show and, up and they're like, ta yes. And Joe and Lori obviously agree to remain friends, because of course they do. Why wouldn't? And why wouldn't they? And she gets rid of that letter, and I believe thinks that it's probably better yeah. that she did, basically. And around this time, uh, since Beth's death, she's not really been writing, because she's been so Joe unhappy. Not Joe's not been writing, yeah. She's been really unhappy mm-hmm. um, and feeling like this is a waste of her time and it's never really going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But luckily, um, after all this has happened, I think it's given her some form of closure to an extent. Yeah. And so she starts writing a book really based on her sisters and yep. their lives together. Which is the movie. Which is the movie. Well, and the she book. sends the, <laughs> um, she sends like the initial chapters that she has to uh, the editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we, while all this has been happening, as she's been working as a governess, I have not talked about this at all, but as she's been working as a governess, um, she's met the other teacher. His name's Friedrich. Friedrich? Frederick? He's Friedrich. German. Yeah. Um, Friedrich Baer. Baer, I think. Like yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, who is another teacher who's working with the kids mm-hmm. um, that she's been working with in New York, and they've struck up a friendship, but a friendship that's definitely becoming something else, which everybody seems to see except her, and there's this very funny scene <laughs> where he shows up at the house to see her, and the whole fucking family's there, and they have dinner, and he announces at dinner that he's been offered a teaching position in California. Mm. So he's decided to take it because, according to him, there's nothing keeping him there, and she's never seemed to reciprocate his feelings. He's like, so he's like, bye. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, you know, and you see them kind of, she's she's very visibly upset by this, but like she doesn't say anything. And mm-hmm. then when he leaves, the whole family is like, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? So there's this whole scene um, where she basically, everybody's like, can you please go after him and tell him that you don't want him to You're leave? ridiculous. So she does the romance thing where she runs after him and they kiss in the rain. Because so she's lovely. like, I don't want you to leave. And he's like, okay. <laughs> That's what I was saying. That's wanna, why I came here. I didn't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then we get to see the actual final publication. First of all, Aunt March does die. <laughs> and she leaves Joe the house, her giant fucking house that she had. Mm. Um, and Joe decides to turn it into a school. Yeah. And they do do that, which is wonderful. So they can bring in children from all over the area. And they make it a school for boys and girls so that girls can also get an education in the area. Love it. Love it. And the whole family can kind of work there doing different things, which they do. And at the same time, um, (laughs) due to his daughter's persuasion, because Mr. Dashwood, the editor, has read the chapters and he's like, eh, about (laughs) them, of her book. And his daughters are like, 
dad, well, I want to know. With this? Like, what yeah. happens with the girls? What's yeah. the end of the story? Yeah. Like, what's going you on? You have to publish yeah, it. Yeah, he agrees to publish the story. Yeah. Um, and so she gets to have uh, her novel actually fully published. And there's, like, you know, a nice little montage at the end where, you know, you see the book being bound. And she gets, like, the first copy of it. And it's really great. And that's that's the end of the it's movie. It's so sweet and wholesome. Um, we love it. And I love that, well, I mean, I do love, like, the passage of time. But also that... Um, so much of this story is about women having relationships with other women and family and what that aspect of things means and how, like, you know, all of the sisters are so different. But how but the love is still there. Yeah. Like, I just love it. It's just so wholesome, you know? And then yes. it just leaves you feeling like, oh, I wish I had a really big family. It's yeah, so and Louisa May Alcott, you know, was writing this for quite a long time and I believe that the idea of that's it like what happens in the film is very similar to like what she experienced I think it had to do with like family or or whatever members reading the pages and Mm -hmm. being like I I want to read this I want to read this so then yeah that's it so then like an editor had agreed to publish um the story and she would actually go on to write two other novels based in the same thing which I think there was one called Little Men a few years later and then one called Joe's Boys if I'm not mistaken. I heard about Joe's Boys I didn't hear about Little Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah she went on to publish like other volumes of that basically which again at the time in you know Civil War era America would have been mm-hmm. something that would have been quite impressive for her to do. It really um, would have especially and, if it was popular. Yes and yeah. particularly for it to have had the lasting effect that it's had yep. which like it really has. It, it has really stood the has. test of time. Like it's it's one of those stories that um I feel we can relate to no matter how long it's been. Everyone you know? has a character yeah. of the characters that they yeah. can they find that they can relate to, whether mm-hmm. it's any of the girls, whether it's uh, Marmy, Lori, yep. any of them, really. Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Everybody's, it's so lovely and so wholesome. Good job, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> so, so Way to good. go. So, so, so cozy. She wrote the screenplay for it as well. Good for her. I think she did, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did see a thing that I thought was hilarious, because the whole thing with, um, between Joe and Friedrich, like, she does marry him mm. in the book. But there's no chasing in the rain scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because that's such like a romantic sort of cliche, apparently Greta Gerwig wrote that in and they were like, really? And she was like, yes, I've been seeing this in movies since I was a kid. I want it in my film. I want it. We're doing it. We're doing it. So they did. And I was like, that's funny. That's so cute. Because <laughs> as people who grew up at times were like, every rom-com has yep. something like that. Hey, good for her. I mean, I would do the same thing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> How many romance movies am I going to make? Am I going to make? And what are they, what <laughs> tropes are they going to include? What little cliches will they have exactly. in them? So, so many. Because so I'm many. so used to seeing them. Eventually, the creative juices run out, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. <laughs> um, yeah, we love this movie, if you couldn't tell. You know. So nice. It's so great. <laughs> watch it if you haven't watched it. It's wonderful. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. Go watch it again. Just to make yourselves feel better about the snow. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the one thing to cheer Make the snow go away. 
I feel like we're going to complain about this periodically for the next while. And anybody who lives in an area that hasn't been affected much or that where it just doesn't snow is going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> Why is there so much snow forever? <laughs> if you lived in Eastern Canada, you would understand. It just, it doesn't go away no. until suddenly it's summer. Like, yeah. we get like a week of spring and then it <laughs> then we've got like giant snow piles in like 30 degree weather yeah it's very weird yeah and they like melt within like a few days yeah it's, it's so weird it's real strange it doesn't matter anyway just, we just can't wait to wear shoes outside oh we're so excited we're so excited <laughs> i can't wait to i can't wait to do that i know i want i want all the people in california right now to be like what are they wearing right now? What are you wearing right now? Boots, guys. We have to wear boots. We have to wear snow boots snow and big boots. They're really you know annoying. It snows in certain parts of northern California. I'm sure some people know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Florida. Yeah. Anywho, we digress. Anywho, um, have you guys seen Little Women? Have you read Little Women? I hope so. If you haven't, you should. Um, you can let us know about that over on Instagram at fullybookedca, or you can check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. And if you are still here with us, professing our love for all things little women, <laughs> uh, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening, because it really helps us get the show out in front of more people. But until next week, guys, keep on reading. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.